Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscoll's. Only the finest berries. Hello, young chefs, and welcome back to Mystery Recipe. I'm Molly Birnbaum, Editor-in-Chief of America's Test Kitchen Kits. And I'm Mitzi, oven mitt, Molly's right-hand gal and co-host on the show. Every week on Mystery Recipe, we'll be talking about the fun, fantastical, and fascinating sides of a different kitchen ingredient. Plus, at the end of the season, we'll use all the ingredients to cook a mystery recipe together. Can you guess what it is yet? Get ready for this list, listeners. We've got six ingredients so far. Salt, heavy cream, butter, sugar, vanilla extract, and flour. Starting to get closer to a guess? We've got a great episode for you all today. That's right. First up, our intern Kyle is back to mill some knowledge in tricky trivia. Then Chad is here to talk about some very special bread in Ask a Grown-Up. And finally, Andrea is ready to whisk it all in how-to time. Molly, are you ready to get this episode started? Let's do it. To the theme song. Looks good. I bet it tastes good. Ooh. I'll carry him out of here on my back if I have to. Mystery recipe. Molly, Molly, Molly. I have a good feeling about this episode. Do you? Oh, yeah. I'm still riding that inner peace train after I found all my self-care last time. I just feel grounded, refreshed, calm. I love that. Glad to hear it, Mitzi. Hey, Molly. Hey, Mitzi. Kyle. Good to see you, buddy. How's it going? I'm good. Excited for today's episode. How are you, Mitzi? Oh, I was just telling Molly here that I am feeling so great. I practiced a lot of self-care last episode, and I'm just feeling a deep, unshakable sense of calm. I... Ah! What is happening? Look out! There's lights flashing, and there's a noise! What is happening? The ship is going down! Mitzi, it's okay. I think that's just the fire alarm. Fire? Alarm? Take a deep breath, Mitzi. It's probably just a fire drill. A uh, fire drill? Oh, okay. Uh, where do I go? Where do I do? Uh, do I need to save anyone? Where's Chad? I'll carry him out of here on my back if I have to. All right. There's a fire extinguisher behind that plate of glass. Do we need to break it out? Do we need a tiny hammer? Does anyone here have a tiny hammer? Is anyone here a tiny builder who happens to have a tiny hammer? Mitzi, I don't see a fire anywhere, and I don't smell smoke. That doesn't mean we're in the clear, but we don't need to use the fire extinguisher. Okay. Okay. What do we do? We should exit the building in a calm and orderly manner. Let's bring our microphones with us. We can use the fire exit here. It's just a short walk and we'll be outside. All right? Uh, Okay. Okay. I've got the microphone and I'm headed outside. Still no sign of Chad. I hope he's okay. All right. Okay. I'm walking down the stairs. Kyle, you with us? I'm right behind you, Mitzi. No problem at all. Okay, okay. We are past the stairs, and... Well, we're safely outside. How's the building look? Is there smoke? Nope. Looks pretty all right to me. Looks fine to me, too. It was probably just a fire drill. 
But until we know for sure everything is all right, we should stay put here. Okay. Okay. How's that deep, unshakable sense of calm treating you, Mitzi? I shaked it. Uh, yeah. I, 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 it's been shaken. Well, how about you take a few deep breaths while Kyle and I start our first segment? What do you think, Kyle? Are you ready for tricky trivia? Molly, I am ready. It's sort of fun that we get to do this one out in the fresh air and sunshine. That's true. It really is. Well, it's time for tricky trivia. Listeners, here's how it's going to work. I will tell you a fact about our theme ingredient for the week, flour. And Kyle here will help you decide whether that fact is true or false. Sound good, Kyle? Sounds great, Molly. Perfect. All right, here's your first one. True or false? There is such a thing as flourless cake. So, Kyle, is this true or false? Is there such a thing as flourless cake? Huh. I'm a little conflicted here, Molly. I thought flour was such an important part of cake. Flour and the gluten in it give cake structure and help the cake to rise. There's even a specific type of flour made just for cakes. Cake flour. I don't know, listeners. I think for those reasons, I'm going to have to say this one is false. Oh, sorry, Kyle, but the answer is actually true. What? Yes, there is such a thing as flourless cake. Flourless chocolate cake is a very popular dessert, for example. We even have a recipe for them on our website. Grown-ups, you can head to atkkids.com slash flourless chocolate cake. These cakes are rich, fudgy, and very chocolatey. But Molly, isn't flour an important part of a cake? How do flourless cakes rise or even hold their shape? Well, these cakes are very dense, but in a good way. Instead of using flour or leaveners for structure like most other cakes do, our flourless cakes use a combination of eggs and cornstarch. As the cake bakes, the eggs puff up in the oven, which gives them lift, though not as much lift as, say, a yellow sponge cake. And the cornstarch acts like a kind of glue to keep the cake together and to give it a smooth texture. Interesting. I love anything described as very chocolatey. I'll have to try it. All right, Kyle, ready for your next one? Ready. Here it is. People were making flour 32,000 years ago. So, Kyle, is this true or false? Were people making flour 32,000 years ago? Hmm. This one sounds a little hard to believe, Molly. What do you think, listeners? I know the ancient Roman and ancient Greek peoples were grinding and eating flour, but they lived about 2,000 years ago. 32,000 years ago, early humans were, like, literally living in caves. I think it would have been pretty unusual for them to be baking cakes. I'm going to go ahead and say false, Molly. This one is true, too. Or at least there is evidence to suggest that it might be. Really? Yes. It's hard, of course, for historians to know exactly how people lived that long ago. But we do have some clues. In 1989, scientists found an ancient stone in a cave called Grotta Paglici in Puglia in southern Italy. They believe it was used by the Gravitan people. The stone shows certain signs of wear that suggest it was used like a mortar and pestle to grind up grains and seeds. Yeah, but I feel like finding a rock shaped like a mortar and a pestle isn't enough to say people were eating flour. That's true, Kyle, which is why they tested the rock to see what trace elements and minerals could be found on it. And they found lots of different grains, but the one they found the most of is very similar to a kind of grass today. And so this is evidence that ancient people were using this stone to grind this grain into a powder, which is a very early form of flour. Wow, that's incredible, Molly. What did they do with the flour? 
That part is where it gets hard to prove anything for certain. Scientists suspect that they might have mixed the flour with water and cooked it to make a sort of like flat cake or bread, or made porridge from it. But those are just guesses. All they have evidence to know for sure is that ancient Gravitian people in Italy were using stones to grind grains 32,000 years ago. Amazing! Although an oatmeal flat cake doesn't sound the most appetizing to me. Today it might not, but back then it could have been delicious compared to the alternatives. All right, I've got one question left for you, Kyle. True or false, some people cannot eat gluten. So Kyle, is this true or false? Can some people not eat gluten? Well, this one sounds possible to me. What do you think, listeners? I have heard of people being lactose intolerant, which means dairy products might give them a tummy ache, and every body is different. It would make sense to me if some bodies can't digest gluten. So I guess I'm going to go with true on this one. That's correct. Some people cannot eat gluten. There's lots of reasons why someone might not be able to eat gluten. But a somewhat common reason is something called celiac disease. About 1% of people in the U.S. have it. And it means when they eat something that has gluten in it, their immune system responds. Immune system? The immune system is the part of the body that fights diseases and keeps us healthy. But when someone has celiac disease, the immune system responds to gluten, which can cause lots of different issues, including damage to their small intestine. That doesn't sound good. Not at all. But the good news is that people with celiac disease can often live happy and healthy lives as long as they avoid eating gluten. And gluten-free recipes and restaurant menu options are becoming more and more popular these days. Well, I'm glad to hear that. This must be another reason why it's important to ask anyone if they have food allergies or dietary restrictions if I'm making them a meal or picking out a restaurant for us to go to. Absolutely. Nice work on Tricky Trivia today, Kyle. Woo! Thanks so much, Molly. Hey, friend. Chad! You survived the fire. Drill. I survived the fire drill. And so did you. Congrats. But we just got the all clear. We can all head back inside now. Great. Then let's all head back to the studio. And once we get set back up, we can pass things off to you for Ask a Grown-Up. Who are you going to be talking to today? Well, I talked to Chef Ramona Horsechief about something called fry bread. Well, I can't wait to hear all about that. Me either. Come on, let's head back to the studio. While we do, listeners, it's time for a word from our sponsors. Grown-ups, these ads are for you. I want to tell you about our sponsors, the National Mango Board. Mangoes are one of the most flavorful and versatile fruits in the world. Not only are they a tangy and sweet snack, you can really have them whichever way you want. Make mango toast, mango guacamole, or fresh mango lassi popsicles just in time for summer. Did you know mangoes have over 20 vitamins and minerals and are rich in vitamin C, which helps build and maintain a strong immune system? So having a super fruit like a mango helps you be a super you. Grownups, discover more about mangoes at mango.org slash mystery recipe. Hey, grownups, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Green Pan. Their Valencia cookware collection is the winner of ATK's Best in Test for Ceramic Nonstick Skillets. Green Pan is constantly working to live up to their name. 
They use recycled aluminum. Their factory runs on 30% solar energy. They recycle their wastewater and are focused on reduced carbon emissions. Greenpan has won dozens of awards for their dedication to the environment and is always working to make healthy products better for everyone. Grown-ups, to learn more about Greenpan, visit them at greenpan.us. Plus, get a special 30% off your purchase for our America's Test Kitchen audience with code ATK30. That's ATK30. And we're back, and it's time for Ask a Grown-Up. Take it away, Chad. Thanks, Molly. Since it's Flower Week, I wanted to talk to someone about a simple type of bread with a complicated history. Fry bread. So, I found an award-winning fry bread chef, Ramona Horsechief. Hi, my name is uh, Ramona uh, Horsechief, and I go by Moni as a nickname. And uh, I have uh, Horsechief Native Foods, a uh, catering business, and I live in uh, Pawnee, Oklahoma. Horse Chief Native Foods is Ramona's catering company. And a catering company is a company that makes food and drinks for special occasions and events. And I specialize in Native American foods. I wanted to talk to Chef Horse Chief specifically because of her award-winning fry bread recipe. Yeah, I'm a seven times National Indian Taco Champion. And I've got uh, four different titles in a fry bread as well. You know, fry bread is like a staple of uh, what people know as like Native American food. We should start by learning a little bit about fry bread. Fry bread is a dough uh, that's made out of flour, sugar, salt, and warm water. But what you do is you deep fry it, and that's called the fry bread because it's deep fried fry. And then there's also a, another version of it, which is a little bit more healthier, is the, uh, we call it like skillet bread, top bread or some uh, names for it. Um, and it's just cooked in a uh, flat top uh, iron skillet. So it's a dough that is often shaped in a circle with a hole in the middle, sort of like a flat donut, and then it's fried. It's fluffy, pillowy, soft on the inside with a crispy crust that makes this bread golden, and it's deeply sustaining, like a meal on its own rather than a dessert. Like many of the foods we talk about on the show, fry bread came about by necessity. Its history traces back to a very painful time in Native American and U.S. history. In the 1830s, the U.S. government stole the land of many Native American tribes, including the Cherokee Nation. President Andrew Jackson ordered tens of thousands of Native American peoples to move from their homelands to Oklahoma, where many Native American communities, tribes, and nations still live today. For instance, our original allotment land is in Nebraska, and we are in Pawnee, Oklahoma now. During this move to Oklahoma also known as the Trail of Tears. 15,000 Cherokee, Seminole, Creek, Chickasaw, Choctaw, Ho-Chunk, and Muscogee were forced to walk hundreds of miles in the cold without rest. The march lasted for months, and thousands died. And so when the government moved the different tribes, the Native Americans, we didn't have supplies that we could pick up and go. There's no general stores. And so one of the things then that government did was they gave us uh, like uh, sugar, salt, you know, flour, the basics, a lard. Basically, the ingredients to make fry bread. Native Americans took a bread they made out of necessity and turned it into a way to celebrate their strength and remember things they've overcome. And since then, it has continued to hold a place in ceremonies and events within many Native cultures. You know, it's always been, uh, as long as I can remember, you know, living down here in uh, Pawnee is that 
we served it at our traditional dances, celebration events, birthdays. You know, it was always brought in. You know, it's, it's, it's so it's it's always been here and a part of our lives. And you know, listening to my grandmother talk about it, and she was a, a well-known fry bread maker, and uh, she was full blood Pawnee. Her name was uh, Effie Abby Little Eagle Osborne was her full name. And so my grandmother was the one that who had a taught me how to make it, and along with aunts and just watching uh, other people among our tribe. Ramona remembers being a kid and watching the women of her family make fry bread for ceremonies and special events. They would tell stories while they cooked, and most importantly, they would always be laughing. So you're, you want to be uh, around because there was, there was always laughter. And so when you hear laughter, you know, you want to be a part of that and see, say, hey, what, they're, what are they laughing about? Like my mother talked about, and my grandmother, my Ukka, talked about stories of their grandfolks. And so those are times when kind of like that was a time of fellowship, but it was a time of learning and teaching. And as for the competitions, the sense of community and family that surrounded fry bread for Ramona got her involved in those, too. You know, Chad, the one thing that was, uh, <laughs> it was just a fun thing. You know, um, my sister had participated in the uh, National Indian Taco Championship Contest. And, you know, she told me that she was going to go and participate. And I was like, what all does that include, you know? For anyone who isn't familiar with Indian tacos, they are tacos that use fry bread instead of a taco shell or tortilla. So it's fry bread topped with beans or ground beef, chopped lettuce, sliced tomatoes, shredded cheddar cheese, whatever you want to put on top. And so, you know, we had already known that we knew how to make fry bread and so Indian tacos. And so that's a staple. And so at the time, you know, the incentive was just fun and fellowship because, you know, my sister and my family would be participating and working together in that fellowship time together and of laughter because I started out in 2008 and I won third place. And then the next year I went back, I wanted to win first because my sister beat me. And so I won second and then I won first and then I won first every year after that. Even though Ramona ended up beating her sister year after year, they still enjoyed the activity as a family. That's a just family fun time that we have around sitting around the table at holidays and events saying, hey, I beat you. And because like I'm from a big family and, you know, it's something that we tease each other about. Because let's be honest, who doesn't love beating their sibling at something? And that is the story of national Indian taco champion Ramona Horsechief and her award-winning fry bread. Thanks, Chad. And thanks to Ramona Horsechief for that interview as well. See you later, Molly. How are you holding up there, Mitzi? I am just feeling a little overwhelmed. Molly, why do we need to do fire drills? They're just too loud and scary and loud and disruptive. I know, Mitzi, but fire drills are really important. It helps everyone practice what to do in case of an emergency. Now we know what the fire alarm sounds like and what it will look like when the strobing lights go off. And we know how to calmly exit the building. That's right, Mitzi. If we practice what to do before things go wrong, then we will be more prepared in case a fire ever does happen. Plus, I think fire drills are kind of fun. You do? I do. You get to take a break from whatever you're doing, see everyone else from your school or office, and take some time to be outside. Yeah, that part was kind of nice. We should record outside more often. We totally should. Okay, you have convinced me, even though it was a little bit alarming. Most alarms are. Right. I can see why it's important to practice what we do in case something bad happens. Before something bad happens. Hey, that gives me an idea. Oh, that makes me nervous. What? 
I have great ideas. I'll be back, friends. Oh, hey, Mitzi. Looks like you're in a bit of a rush. Sorry, Andrea. Off to have some great ideas. And there she goes. Andrea! Hey, Andrea. Hi, Molly. Hi, Kyle. Andrea is an associate editor here at America's Test Kitchen Kids. That means she works on developing recipes and experiments for our cookbooks and things like the Young Chef's Club boxes. You can find out more about all that fun stuff by going to atkkids.com. We want you to practice your cooking techniques while you're our intern. So every week, I am going to teach you something new to up your arsenal of kitchen skills. Great! Andrea, I'm glad you're here. I have a question, and I think you're just the person to ask. Oh, sure, Kyle. Ask away. When you're baking something, like muffins or a cake, recipes often say to put dry ingredients into one bowl and wet ingredients into another. And then you mix those up, and then you combine them, and then you mix those up, too. Yep, that's pretty standard stuff. But why, though? Why can't I just put everything into one big bowl and then mix it all up at once? That's a very good question, my friend. And it's actually what I was going to teach you about this week. Oh, nice. It's like you read my mind. I didn't, though. Promise. The simple answer is that if we put everything into one bowl at the same time, it would be hard to get all of the ingredients evenly mixed up. It's important when mixing up a batter or a dough to make sure that all the ingredients are combined and distributed or spread out evenly. Why? You wouldn't want to be eating a piece of chocolate cake, for example, and have one bite taste different than another, would you? No, I guess not. It's easiest to whisk dry ingredients together with other dry ingredients so they can be evenly spread out before they get combined with wet ingredients, which can make them clump up and become harder to mix evenly. Also, in many baking recipes, you have a lot of one dry ingredient, usually flour, but just a tiny bit of other dry ingredients like baking powder, baking soda, or salt. Whisking them together first makes sure those little bits of ingredients are evenly spread out in the flour. Oh, I see. That makes sense. If we don't make sure that all of our ingredients are properly mixed, we could end up with a big pocket of cocoa in one spot of our cake instead of the cocoa being evenly distributed through the entire thing. So mixing things separately makes sure everything is good and combined? Yep, and the best tool to use is a whisk. We specifically use a whisk for dry ingredients rather than a spoon or a rubber spatula because its shape makes it much better at combining ingredients evenly. All right, this is all making sense to me now. Thanks for helping me figure this out, Andrea. Glad to. Great lesson this week. I'll see you all next time. Molly! Kyle! I'm back! With balloons? With balloons! I can explain. You remember how a fire drill is an important time to practice what to do in case of a fire? I do remember that. Well, I thought, since they have drills to practice what to do in case something bad happens, shouldn't we also have drills to practice what to do in case something good happens? I love that idea, Mitzi. Thank you! Okay, Molly, you're up first. Ring the alarm because your daughter Olive just got into Harvard Law School! (laughs) Quick, what do you do? Well, I congratulate her on being the first five-year-old ever accepted into law school and tell her that I am not at all surprised and that she earned it. Hooray! Great practice there, Molly. I think in the event your daughter gets into Harvard, you are really ready to nail that proud parent reaction moment. Okay, Kyle, it's your turn. Are you ready? I can handle that. Nice. 
catchphrase. Okay, Kyle, you have been awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in physics for your hard work fighting climate change. What do you do? Well, I think my mom and my dad and my elementary school science teacher who inspired my love for science. And I thank all the listeners who cared about our environment and helped their family do everything they can to fight climate change. And then I shed a single tear and I wave with my left hand in slow motion while the camera slowly backs away from me and the confetti falls on stage. The ushers walk me off and Amy Poehler comes out to announce the nominees for the next award. Wow, you have really put some thought into this, haven't you? What? Maybe. Also, that sounds more like the Oscars, but hey, nice work, Kyle. Thank you, thank you. And an extra special thanks to Amy Poehler as well. Still just a drill, Kyle. Right, right. Okay, Mitzi, your turn. Yeah, hooray! Okay, okay, I'm ready. All right, ring, ring, the phone is ringing. Hello? Oh, it's the Oven Mitt Hall of Fame. They want to induct you into their drawer of legends for your outstanding commitment to food science in hosting 50 years of podcasts. I accept! Yeah! I mean, it's about time, too. I've been waiting for this call since year 20. Can you believe that, Molly? It took 50 years to induct me? There's a mitt in the drawer of legends who held a casserole dish for five days. I mean, come on. And scene? Nice job, Mitzi. Hooray! Thank you, Molly. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, that was fun. You're right, Mitzi. It's important to practice for when something bad happens, but it helps to practice for when something good happens, too. You have to believe in something in order for it to be possible, and this is a good way to do that. Well, I'm going to believe the Drawer of Legends calls me after 10 years. I was serious about that casserole guy, Chuck. It wasn't even that impressive. I mean, he was asleep for most of the five days. Well, we are about out of time for today's episode. Listeners, we'll be back with another flavorful episode next time. We're going to bake up some science in our pressing questions segment, followed by something nice in our wild card. And remember, at the end of the season, we'll use all of our ingredients in a very special mystery recipe to cook together. Can you guess what it is? If you love Mystery Recipe, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And feel free to leave us a review. We love reading them. Until then, keep Keep on cooking. Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Molly Birnbaum, and I am Roasted Salted Cashews. Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He is a big barrel of cheese puffs. Andrea Vavjin is a white cheddar cheese it and Katie O'Hara is a goldfish cracker, and they are both contributing writers on our show. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Chester Guazda, an apple, and Matt Boynton, a salt and vinegar potato chip of ultraviolet audio. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme music and his popcorn. Our director of post-production is Jen Margolis. She is a Twix. Our director of production is Diane Knox, who is also salsa. Fact-checking by Julia Arwin, a nacho cheese Dorito. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher, and she's a spicy pickle. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's a tortilla chip. David Nussbaum is our CEO, and he's a chocolate-covered pretzel. Special thanks to... 
our senior science editor, Paul Adams. Executive editor, Kristen Sargianis. Executive food editor, Susanna McFerrin. Art director, Gabby Hamanoff. Deputy food editor, Afton Cyrus. Associate editors, Andrea Vavjan, Katie O'Hara, and Tess Berger. Editorial assistant, Julia Arwin. Photo test cook, Ashley Stoyanov. And test cook, Faye Yang. Special thanks to Ramona Horsechief. This episode featured the voices of Kira O'Sullivan and Brian Green. Thanks again to our sponsors, Driscoll's, the National Mango Board, and Green Pan. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kids. Hey, friends. How'd the rest of the episode go? Oh, it's Chad. Let's do one for Chad. Okay, Chad. Yes, what? What? You just won the lottery! I what? I won? I won the lottery? Oh my goodness! What do you do? I'm going on vacation. <laughs> I'll see you in a couple weeks. I am out of here. Woohoo! Oh, he's, uh, he left. Uh-oh. Did I forget to tell him that was a drill? I think you might have. Chad! Chad, wait! Don't buy your ticket yet! <laughs> Hi, grown-ups. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter. If you love the fun food content we share on Mystery Recipe, then sign up today for our ATK Kids newsletter to receive even more recipes, activities, and stories from me straight to your inbox. As a mom of two, I always try to include things that are important to my family, and it's a great way to hear about all the new things we are cooking up at ATK. Plus, every new email added will be entered for a chance to win three free ATK Kids books for toddlers through teens. We'll draw 10 winners every month while the promotion lasts. And we have some great books available all the time. Head to atkkids.com newsletter to sign up today for your chance to win. Hi, At Your Level is a variety show for kids and by kids. And that means that if you're a kid, we want you to join us. We have segments like Bizarre ASMR. And you guess what that is? We even have a bad joke segment. I just ate four cans of alphabet soup and had the largest bowel movement ever. Yep, that was a poop joke. Because we're making you a poopy episode. So check Check it out. out at your level.